Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. This is Pastor Nate, and I'm joined by Pastor Stephen. Hello, everyone. And we're going to be talking through this past weekend sermon. It was uh, first week of a Kingdom Builders series. We talked through Nehemiah, and uh, we're rolling toward Miracle Offering and toward um, toward the end of the year. And yeah, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk? Oh, to- it was Pastor Appreciation Sunday too. Yeah, and so thanks on behalf of my family and the entire staff the pastoral staff for your generosity this weekend. It was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was, they, they really did good. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Uh, feel loved, feel encouraged to pursue more. Um, and uh, thanks for your prayers. We, we appreciate that. We need that. <laughs> I'm going to rearrange here because I got comfortable and then, but you're like sitting behind me. So I'm going <laughs> to switch around so I can look at you while I'm talking. Uh, Perfect. So, so um, do you want to talk us through like uh, for people who don't know what kingdom builders are? If you're uh, new what, to the church, yeah. kingdom builders is um, kingdom builders are people who give above the tithe toward the Kingdom Builders Fund at the church. And that fund is used toward different projects every year. You can go on our website and see what projects we've been going after in 2022. And, um, but it's global missions projects, local church expansion and future future Christian leaders. So an example of a uh, a, a local church expansion would be the Dover Auditorium project. So Kingdom Builders funded that project to move, to add like 75 chairs to that auditorium. So uh, took out the project, had to upgrade the fire alarm system. Mm-hmm. This, it's not 100% complete yet. The stage, the final part of it is being started in a few weeks. And so... That's local church expansion, a, a future Christian leader. An example of that would be our internship program. So we take on... Um, Pastor Colin, he... Pastor Colin went through that. Charlotte's currently in it. We've had a few applicants for people who want to start. Um, and so we've had different conversations with them about... Yeah. We want to make sure it's a fit for them. Also want to make sure it's a fit for the church. We're not just doing it. Um, it's an investment from the church. So right. uh, that's an example of that. And then in the past, our global missions projects, we uh, gave money to missionary Rachel Mullins in Honduras to help her as she's launching kids' ministries in churches across the country of Honduras. Yeah. And uh, so that's an example of that. That was one of our... 2021 projects. The well in we Tanzania. Were, uh, the well at the orphanage in, in Tanzania. That was, um, I think that was 2020. 
we yeah. did that. So every year, got a few different things going on. And um, yeah, it's just been amazing. It's been amazing. Let me ask you one question, Pastor Nate. How do you pick projects? So a church doesn't know the inner inner process that goes through every year other than they hear that you announce, hey, we are, this year we are helping this one. But take us through the process of how, how do you process through the uh, projects that you have? How do you, land on all right let's help this let's make this ministry uh or you know take us through that process behind the scene um we so first off it's those three categories um so we always get requests for stuff hmm. or people always have hey we could do this as a kingdom builders project and i'm like well it doesn't fit in any of those three categories right so it's not a project we can take on and um, then in those three categories on the global mission side of it, we get requests, I mean, pretty nonstop yeah. from missionaries, from friends, from pastors, mm-hmm. from pastors overseas. Those requests come in nonstop. And if we had $10 million to give away yeah. for global mission project, um, we'd... Spent, we could spend it all this week. So it's hearing the request, kind of lining it up against our vision. Is it something that we're, as a church, passionate about, mm. that we believe in, that we feel God's calling us to get behind? Right. Because we can't do, every, we can't do everything. Yeah. Um, so one of the matrixes on that is, is it for an Assembly of God missionary or ministry? Right. Um, they're going to be higher priority lists because that's who we're a part of. Mm. Um, is it a ministry we've supported for a long time or is it brand new? And then what does it affect? Right. So, um, you know, will it, is there any multiplication to it? Mm. So we gave toward Cuba Bible Institute uh, last, last year, year, the year before last year. And so that's, training up pastors to lead churches in Cuba. So there's a multiplication to that. Local church expansion. um, Again, there's a lot of things we want to do, but launching locations falls under that. So um, allowing our buildings to reach more people and have more capacity, that's a part of that. And that's, we have a huge desire, as we talked about on Sunday, to reach New Hampshire, whose Mm -hmm. heart is going to break for the people in New Hampshire who don't Mm -hmm. yet know. Well, hopefully it's ours. Right. And so we're we're trying to be deliberate about making sure we we have capacity mm. that we have going back to last week's podcast, some uh uh some pot <laughs> some pots <laughs> oh to uh to hold what God wants to pour out. Right. And uh so then that's that. And then future Christian leaders. It's been mainly the internship and we did summer camp for kids and teenagers last year that they'll experience the Holy Spirit and the goodness of God. Mm. And um, I think that was a big success. And um, so it's not really like a, that's about as much of a matrix as we have. Mm. 
And then usually our list is longer than our goal. So we have a publicized list and then we have some behind the scenes things. Like right. if we had the opportunity, we'll increase it. So I think originally, for example, Rachel Mullins, the, hunt, the missionary to Honduras, I think our original goal was 20,000. Hmm. But then... Because of our gen- yeah. because of just the church's generosity, we're able to double that to forty thousand. Yeah, and so it was kind of like in our hearts to do more, mm. but yeah, but we, we, it was a huge goal that we had set already that year. So right. to go above that goal probably would have been too much, but then we did go above it. So then, <laughs> yeah, we were able to say to her as a big surprise, "Ta-da! Here's yeah. double what we t- what we told you." And I guess we helped launch kids ministry in the whole nation of Honduras, right? Yeah, the way pretty much the way they they the AG in Honduras breaks up Honduras into sixteen different districts, mm. and so our money is being used in all, all sixteen six, of wow. those districts. So okay. there's kids ministries starting in existing churches across the entire. That's country. insane. And um, you know everything with COVID, it got slowed down a little bit, right. but. Uh, but that's underway. That I almost flew down in May, mm. but it was I forget there was another event going on simultaneous, um, so mm. I wasn't able to make it down. But Invest. I don't think so. But anyway, yeah. they. But that's been happening, so hopefully we'll be able to get down there and get some footage of it. Wow! One of these, one of these days. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Uh I loved uh I loved this week's message uh, that you preached. Uh, I know uh, as I mentioned earlier, I know uh, a lot of people in Plymouth were talking about it prior to the service and you just hit really like in their hearts um talking through it. Uh and you talked about uh Nehemiah the cupbearer to the king, how his heart breaks for the people. Uh, talk to talk to us. Uh, how do we achieve that heart? How do we? Uh, because I've been around uh, countries, and uh, you know nothing bad about people here. I'm not talking bad about them, but I've seen less of that heart you know, less of that passion in people. Uh, but you really, you really were, you know, tying that Nehemiah's heart broke for the people and he he fasted, he prayed for them, you know. That needs, that requires a heart. That requires right. a genuine heart for the people, for the lost. How, how do someone achieve that how do you how do you land in that state of that brokenness well you know i think if you were in church on sunday or you're listening to the podcast now you just ask god Mm. god break break my heart break my heart and he wants to do that he want right our hearts grow cold our hearts grow hard he wants to make our hearts soft again. Mm. 
Um, he wants us to be sensitive to his spirit again. Right. He wants us to be compassionate the way Jesus is compassionate to mm. people. And so you ask him to do that and he is so grateful and willing to do that. Mm. So you've got to do that. I think for me, the times this happened in my life, it was more accidental. Um, it was like vision that God perfected. Mm. So I remember being a youth pastor and wanting to reach teenagers. Youth group, the week I started was nine kids and, and I wanted to reach more than that. And eventually that prayer, God help us to reach more kids, help us to reach more kids. He then within my heart, all of a sudden uncovered his why. Hmm. So reaching more kids, having a big youth group, lots of fun, awesome. Right, Kids are going to give their life to Jesus, but more important than that, they're going to be transformed by Jesus. Hmm. So they're not just praying a prayer stuck right. in their same miserable lives. They're going to be transformed hmm. from the inside of their heart outward. And I don't know what year it was released. Let me, I'm going to do a little bit of typing here, but there's a, a Christian band, Leland, Leland, I've heard of it. And they released an album um, called Sound of Melodies. Uh, I don't know what year. What year did that come out? Two thousand six. So that song came out in 2006. Back then, the youth group had a CD subscription. <laughs> so every month they just send you new CDs yes, of bands and music you never heard of. And so that Leland album came in that and I began listening to it. And there's a song and maybe we can close the podcast with it um, called Tears of the Saints. Mm. And I think at one point I was just driving around in my car and... Um, in in Rochester, and that song was playing on the radio, and all of a sudden it was just one of those Holy Spirit moments mm. where God just really gripped me. Mm. The song became a prayer for the teenagers of that community, and um, the the lyrics go: "There are many prodigal sons on our city streets. They run searching for shelter." There are homes broken down. People's hopes have fallen to the ground from failures. This is an emergency. Like, wow. you know, there's parts of Rochester, certainly in 2006, that were pretty decrepit. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, and I don't I know what it was like, but in 2006, I would go out, I could go out on Friday night at 11 o'clock at night and invite teenagers to youth group. Like they were just wandering the streets. Wow. It was like the 1970s. <laughs> Peace. Um, but you drive by these broken homes and we were getting stories of dropping kids off. We were driving kids to youth group. We'd drop them off at their house. Their parents would be drunk. Mm. It'd be alcohol, empty alcohol bottles all over the whole house. And there's a, a natural, that's terrible. Mm. That breaks my heart. But then there's a supernatural 
this breaks my heart hmm. that you experienced that God gave me. So the song goes on. There are tears from the saints. So that was me. That's us. Right. That's the church. Tears from the saints for the lost and unsaved. We're crying for them. Come back home. We're crying for them. Come back home. Hmm. And I just tell you what, God broke my heart in 2006, hmm. driving around Rochester wow. in my Buick Park Avenue Ultra. <laughs> God, help us to reach these hmm. kids. Um, hmm. So that song, I'd be just begin to listen to pretty regular. I would drive around, I'd turn that music on and I, and I would, and I would pray. Mm. And I think that's kind of what it comes from. Right. Whether it's a song or a moment, mm. which you've, you know, if you're asking God, break my heart. I was asking him at that time, God help us to reach teenagers. Mm. Now my prayer is God help us to reach, you know, when I go on a road trip, God, help us to reach these faraway places in New Hampshire. Mm. And then he he hears that prayer and then he just deposits mm. his compassion and his burden in your heart. Right. Let me, let me give you a, f- a small feeling of what I'm feeling for mm. these people. Mm. I, and, and so that's how I think it happens. It's a supernatural, it's a supernatural thing. Mm. Uh, I have a follow-up question. Uh, that's awesome. That's really uh, that's really great that uh, your heart was broken at that young age, you know, for the people. Uh, but I was just thinking through while you were talking, you spoke about having a broken heart for the lost and for the people in New Hampshire. But uh, I was just thinking through people who are already broken in their lives, uh, like they're going through hardships and they're somehow not getting into the next place. It's just broke brokenness after brokenness. And uh, for them to hear this, right? Hey, you need to be broken for the family or for the people, for the lost what would you say to them specifically for those people who are already broken in their hearts, who's not seeing that, who cannot even get to the next level? And, so there's yeah. a difference between, like in my message, there's a difference between having a broken heart from a girlfriend and right. having a broken heart from God. They're not, they're, one's a positive thing, one's a negative thing. Mm. So there's a, there's a difference between being broken in your life from just the devil and sin and life and being broken, having a broken and contrite spirit as scripture talks about. Mm. So when we are broken, God heals us. Right. He makes us whole. He makes our hearts whole. Mm. And if you're broken, your life is broken, shattered marriage, shattered relationships, shattered finances, shattered health. Right. And and you're destitute. God brings healing. Mm. God heals your heart. Mm. And then out of your wholeness, he then says, now I want you to have deep compassion for people who lived, who are living the way you just used to live, mm. who haven't yet been rescued the way I've been, I've rescued you. 
So in your wholeness, now there's tears of compassion. There's tears. Of, it's not a, I'm destitute. I'm miserable. God, make me even more miserable. Right. No, God, in my wholeness, let That's me not awesome. forget the people that need to be rescued. In my wholeness, God, let me not forget about the people that you've assigned me to share your good news with. In my wholeness, God, may it now, may I not now be comfortable. Right. I think we, I think people pray, God, if you get me through this situation, I'll, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Right. But then not, I mean, some people do that, but a lot of people forget. Right. God, if you'll just bring me through this financial miracle, I, I, I swear I'll tithe. Yeah. And then he does the miracle okay. and then they bail out on him. Mm. But in our wholeness, in our healing, now he takes what the enemy meant for evil yeah. and he uses it as ministry, as a testimony right? And, and leads others to salvation. Right, yeah. You think about Jesus at the cross when he was hung. Even then when he was going through that severe, severe persecution and, you know, hardships, his prayer was, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, you know? So to have that compassion, even when he was going through, that's that's a hard, right? That's a hard for the lost and the people that yeah. uh, I think we all need to have uh, just, just for the lost. Hey, you know, that's a, that's the greatest commission. That's a great commission that God has entrusted for, for the church, for, for a normal believer, uh, you know, it's, that's awesome. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And he'll, and he'll do it. Right. He wants us. He wants us to, no one should care more about the people in New Hampshire than a church of Christians in New Hampshire. Right. Really, no one should care more about people in Northern India or people in uh, in Northern Canada or people in Northern Mexico right. than, than Christians in a church in New Hampshire. Mm. <laughs> we should be so focused, so compassionate, so prayerful. Mm for any people of any group um, who don't yet know Jesus. But I think, um, I feel like there was a dichotomy when I was growing up. We had compassion for people in other continents, but not compassion for our neighbor. Mm. We hate our neighbor, yeah, wow. but we love those in a foreign land. We mistreat our neighbor. We're mm. the Karen. We're the the boomer. We're the right. But but then, but but that's wrong, right? We mm. we drive to church judgmental to the people not going to church right. instead of being brokenhearted that they they're mowing their lawn when they could be knowing Jesus. Mm. Mm. Do you think it's still highly highly relevant in this age? That that's still happening. That, yeah, I, I would think we're judging people based on their politics. We're judging people based on how they're dressed. Mm. We're judging people based on how deviant their behavior is, and we forget. We forget the backstory. All right. We forget the backstory. Yeah. 
to everybody. I'm trying to think. There was one recent, um, you know, someone's mean, standoffish, and I'm, you know, I immediately think like, okay, well, they think they're right. better than me. Mm. But then you find out their story. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. They have gone through severe trauma in their life. Mm. Right. That's right. Be compassionate, Nate, mm. toward people. You don't know what they're walking through. All right. You don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. I I used to have that like I saw people who had tattoos like a bad person like I'll never talk to them I'll never associate with them it was just the upbringing was that way like the teaching that was in the church was that way you know so I was like automatic tattoo I saw in their body it was like all right I'm not going to talk but right. God had to mend that in me hey you don't know the walk you know like like coming here talking with the people just having one on ones with them coffee with them getting to know the story and immediately repenting in my heart god forgive me like i judge them for their for them having tattoo but all those tattoos mean something for them all you didn't see their life you saw them when they walked into your building for the first time Right. But they must have been abused or like, you know, like really bad past, you know, in coming to church to find hope, find Jesus. And now we're here judging people, you know, because they have tattoos. That was a big, big thing that God had to change in me. Um, and um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's just... We think about it, I think with kids... Or teenagers, it's a hard time. We just think they need to fall in line and be respectful. But like my kids' football season this year, you, you know, one of my kids is saying, this other kid on the uh, that's older than me, I don't think he likes me. He's always yelling at me. He's always whatever, whatever. I'm like, everybody, you know, everybody responds in a different way. When you're the leader of the team, you just, you're learning. Don't act that way. Mm. You know, there's better ways to encourage people, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, the kid, you know, whatever. In my head, I think, okay, maybe he's just arrogant. Yeah, He's arrogant. He thinks he's better than everybody else. Well, then fast forward. I don't know if it's the fifth or sixth game in the season. And all of a sudden, the rest of the pieces are getting connected. Well, you know, that kid's dad shows up at the game. Mm. And he's just losing his mind on the sideline. Well, he, he gets kicked off of the field mm. um, and they almost called the cops on him. And all of a sudden in my heart, I'm like, okay, this 12-year-old kid, he's not arrogant. Yeah. He has a miserable home life. Mm. And just sometimes that little bit of a story allows you to give that little bit extra grace. Mm. The person at Dunkin' Donuts who's just illiterate and can't get your order right. Well, you know, have you ever thought about what type of home they grew up in? Right. The, and on and on and on. Yeah. They're lost people. Mm -hmm. Again, not in a derogatory way. They're lost right. people. They've never met Jesus. They, they're being attacked by the enemy relentlessly mm. with no one to defend them. And, yeah. May our heart break for them. Right. And may we beg 
God to allow us to be part of the solution. Mm. I had a practical question. Uh, this was asked, uh, I think, to my wife that I just remembered. Uh, so this person is is a is a teacher, and uh, it breaks their heart to, to see the kids go through things in their lives, hardships, their homes, abusive uh, parents, you know, things like that. Uh, and while you're talking about breaking your heart for the people, it really struck their hearts. Like, yeah, it is, it is happening right now in their lives, but they don't know what to do next. How, what steps do they need to take next? Uh, because as a school system is hard, but how to reach out to those people, how to reach out or is there any practical steps or any advice for people in that uh, influence uh, that you recommend they they do or they have? You got to pray and you got to really pray. God, give me some window, give me some avenue, give me some way to um, to have greater effectiveness here, to be able to share your good news here. Mm. And I think there's ways around it. I think there's ways that you can answer people's questions and you're just answering their questions. Right. Um, also, don't, don't underestimate the power and the way you change a spiritual atmosphere mm. when you come in anointed, full of the Holy Ghost, into a dark place. Mm. And you find yourself being every student's favorite teacher, not because you don't give homework or you right. give everybody an A no matter how crappy they do or, mm. or you're letting them break all the rules. No, but because you may still be strict and stern, but because they feel the love of God through you. Right. That they never felt anywhere else. Mm. And you eventually, you'll have an opportunity mm. to answer a question or to make an invitation where you weren't otherwise. And then there's maybe other things that you can do. Right. But I don't know what those are. God knows what those are. Yeah. You got to pray through and say, God, here's the problem. What's the solution? Hmm. And in 2006, I'm praying, God, there's not enough life-giving churches in New Hampshire. There's too many churches that are religious. There's too many churches that have neglected hmm. your word. Right. God, what's the solution? Hmm. And all of a sudden, this idea of launching youth groups in... Right. In, in different towns to reach these teenagers, all of a sudden, God's like, morphs it. I want you to launch locations. Mm -hmm. And that prayer time, oh God, how do we get in these downtown areas? How do we reach these kids right. in these towns where there's maybe not a life-giving church or mm -hmm. not enough life-giving churches? And then multi-site gets birthed out of that. Mm -hmm. So here we are all these years later. It came out of that. It was not a solution that I saw, but begging God for, to allow me to be part of the solution. Yeah. He then directs you in that. Yeah. 
though, if you're a teacher at a public school who knows what it is, maybe it's a, mm. a lunch club. And so you're having lunch with kids. You're ending up as a surrogate parent. Right. Uh, maybe you're a, a, a sports coach mm. and you just have an influence. Right. And eventually you're able to make an invite to church. Mm. I don't know. God yeah. knows. Yeah. And he'll direct you. He'll give you wisdom. He'll direct you to that. Mm. And just because you try it and it fails doesn't mean that you shouldn't be trying it or that you're not doing the right thing. Right. Just keep God, give me favor. Give me favor with the principal. Yeah. Give me favor with the coach. Give me favor with the boss. Right. And give me courage mm. to pursue the things that you're telling me to do. And some are easy and some are hard, right? Like you, if you only think about, all right, I'm going to try this and I want the results right now. It may fail you, like, you know, right. but keeping that attitude, no matter what, even if it's hardships, I'll just keep doing it and see the results. Like the birth of multi-site was 2006. Right. But it took time, years for that to implement and take place. Even now, you're still thinking about future locations. You're still, it's not completed yet. Right. Right. But that birth moment is still, is what keeps you going uh, forward for the future. Yeah. So, um, you know, just because you don't see the results today doesn't, um, don't stop asking God to break your heart. Ask God daily, hey, what is that breaks my heart today? Like maybe it's youth, maybe it's abusive homes, abusive dads or moms, whatever it may be. Uh, asking is important every day Yeah. rather than quitting. We got a question that I think relates. It came in, how do we, how do we not become dismayed and overwhelmed with sadness when our hearts are broken for the lost. And I think because it's not problem focused, mm. it's solution focused and it's not, um, and it's not hopeless, but our hope right. is in who our hope is in Christ. Mm. So when we look at New Hampshire as being a least church state, a lot of churches have taken the dismayed and depressed approach. Right. I don't need to do an impersonation, but there we're the Northeast yeah. It's pr it's good for the Northeast. Yeah. You know, this is all we can expect. It's the Northeast. Hmm. Well, um, you know, when we look at teenagers and when we look at young adults and we look at adults and everything going on in our culture, we're not dismayed and overwhelmed. Our hearts right. are broken for them, hmm. but our hearts are hopeful for them. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus delivered me. He changed me. He still does it. He's going right. to change them. Right. And so your hearts are broken for them. It mobilizes you into action. Mm. But then you start laying rock and bricks right. and building the walls and getting the timber mm. and rebuilding the gates. You you start doing something knowing that there's going to be salvation. Right. There's going to be change. Yeah, It's going to happen. And so you're, you're focused on that. You're, you have hope. Mm. You're not without hope. Right. So you shouldn't be downtrodden. You shouldn't be depressed. Right. Because our hope is in Jesus. Yeah. I would say like having that, having that ache in your heart is good. You know, like sometimes that's the only thing that will keep you moving forward because right. you have that hope, you have the kingdom mindset. Hey, like it's our responsibility. Like 
if I have the ache to to see my neighbor who's lost come to Christ, it's my responsibility, you know, to make them know that there is a Jesus who's, who gives hope, who gives peace. And uh, I think, I think having that, those moments, not like a defeat, but to uh, like to go to that gas station to fill it, you know, fill the right. gas to keep going, uh, not to break it down, but you know, c- keeps going. So I like that. Some of the things that God puts in our <clears throat> puts in our hearts may take us the rest of our lifetime to get started, mm-hmm. uh, and and so it won't be completed till long after we're gone. Right, right. He's not just calling us to paint one picture. Mm. He's calling us to, you know, he's calling us to map the world. Right, right. So it's going to be a lifelong process mm-hmm. where it's going to have its ups and downs and its oppositions and it's to Tobias and Sam ballots as we'll talk about later in the in the series that try to distract us and keep us off mm. off mission but uh yeah but it's gonna happen right according to God's plans and purposes and his power it's gonna happen mm. Do you want to tackle the other question? We got a few, so read the question. Thing we have one. Uh, we we had one uh, question. Do people go to heaven or hell as soon as they die, or, or are they in a holding place till the second coming of Christ, when they are raised to meet Him in the sky? I, I don't. So I didn't study for this question. We there. There's a few ways to look at it. Um, there's the Catholic theology of limbo, um, which we don't believe in, um, uh, where you're just in limbo. You're kind of in a holding place. Right. The there's also a theology where um, people are asleep until the, the resurrection of the saints. Right. And so when you die, it's just nothing until he returns. Mm. What we believe is that our spirit ascends to heaven. Right. And then at the second coming, we're reunited with our physical body and we're given now our new physical body. Mm-hmm. And... um and so that's what we believe. So right. there's three different thoughts on it. The only one that I think is truly wrong is limbo. Limbo. Yeah. I think, I think if we pass away and we're asleep until his return, then it will still feel we're not going to feel like we're asleep. Right. Right. So we're, there's no earning. It's just a waiting. Mm. Um. But anyway just about every evangelical church believes as our, our do. That's the larger theological position. Our spirits are with Christ, will be reunited with our physical body and given a new physical glorified body at the uh, returns at the second coming. Yeah. So there's a quick answer for that. Good. I don't see the other question. Where was the other question? Is it three? 
I see it. Uh, a significant portion of modern history, especially the 1900s to today, is defined by conflict between Eastern and Western ideals. Or we see this in many of the major conflicts throughout the 1900s. And we see another major conflict may or not be imminent. Can we see any of these major political conflicts through any prophetic text in scripture? So, yes and no. Um, one pastor that I was listening to as I was studying for our last series said, um, you know, I, the he, he listed a bunch of things happening. Like one of the things he said, I, 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 I ran... Um, I forget what the language is, but what they're doing with uh, uranium there. And he, then he went on to say, these things are written about in scripture. And I'm like, I'd like you to stop for a minute and back that up for a second. Yeah. Like that's a pretty hmm. interesting statement. And this guy is a well-known pastor. I mean, I respect him. Yeah. But he just said it off the cuff. And I'm like, how do the 30,000 people in your church yeah. 45,000 people in your church not just raise their hand and say, can you show us that? Yeah. But I think they are. But again, we could be wrong. Like I think, just think like, yeah, 100%, this scripture is talking about this current event. Mm. It could be, but I don't know that it's 100%. Right. So I don't know what scriptures he was referencing mm. when he said that. Um, I think... I don't think every like is World War Two in there. I don't. I don't know. Mm. The the Israel being made a, a nation again in 1948. I think yeah. I think that's in there. Mm. We even read about it this week, right? right. It, Nehemiah said, "God, you promised that the, if they're exiled over all the earth, you'll right. bring them back together again." So he did it in 446. Right. And guess what? He did it again in 1948, and he's continuing to do that. Right. So that scripture. That's part of that scripture. And there's other scriptures talks about bringing all of Israel back together. All, all of, So it's there, but it's nothing like blatantly obvious. Right. But our focus is to be prepared. Yeah. Right. Be prepared. If that happens, you know, we are in a good spot. We are in a good place. Yeah. Not like wait until, oh my gosh, it's happening. All right. Let's uh, do our acts together and... Uh, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, listen, any, um, any books you want to recommend? Uh, I saw this book. It's called, uh, doing business God's way. And also kingdom builders by Andrew Denton it was forwarded by, uh, Brian Houston. So I, I haven't read it, but, think it's a pretty good book. Andy Stanley has a book titled Visioneering that is about Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it is a breakdown of the Nehemiah story. That's good. Um, we got the Tears of the Saints song that we'll drop here to finish off the podcast. Yes, sir. But I was thinking about having a burden and having... Mm. a heart. And again, some of that goes back to biographies. Um, you, you know, one, one biography, there's a, a Billy Graham biography that I got for Christmas one year. That was really, 
just again, like his burden mm. for lost people. Yeah. And he just expressed that in a way that few others had up until that point in history. Mm. Um, and so missionaries like Hulda Buntain, um, missionaries like Beth Grant, who's still living, um, hearing their burden, mm. I think helps us to get our own. Right, right. That's awesome. All right. Well, week two of Kingdom Builder Series Miracle Offering coming up on November 13th, if I get my calendar right in my head. And um, be just be praying. Keep praying. Every week, yeah. pray, pray, pray. God, what do you want to do through me? God, what do you want to do through me? And allow him to speak that to you. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening and God bless. There are many prodigal sons On our city streets they run Searching for shelter And there are homes broken down People's hopes have fallen to the ground an emergency